Will you turn with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? We shall read a few verses, and then we have a lot that the Lord has given us. We will use this morning, and in the Lord's will, next week. And if the Lord will it, we'll maybe do three mornings or so much in this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, please, verse 9. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Keep your Bible open. Let's pray. Father, take your word and inscribe it on our hearts. Let it be, as it were, cut with a, a pen of iron. Let it be, as it were, Lord, cut with a, a diamond tip. Cut into our hearts and, and printed upon our minds that this would not just be another Sunday morning message, but something, Lord, that you have winged to our hearts through thy spirit and something that you have brought alive to us and in us. Bless the children, Lord, in their children's church this morning. And bless each and every one of us that are gathered around your table and now around your word. Glorify your son, Father. In his name we ask it and pray. Amen. Verse 10 was a verse that captured me. Read it, don't know how many times over the years. But it really captured me this last week. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that he hath done whether it be good or bad. This jumped out at me as Spurgeon would have said like a lion from out behind a thicket. And it laid hold on me this week and I couldn't shake it. And I thought about different things all week. Right into Thursday, I sat down to write and I couldn't get away from it. Sat all day and then into Friday morning, right through to Friday late afternoon. Looking, studying, praying, thinking about it, writing it down. And the Lord has given me so much to speak about different things and avenues to show you not only this morning, but the Lord willing, the following week or weeks from here on in. That the scripture says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I want you to get that into your spirit this morning, into your mind this morning, into your heart. For we, that's you and I, believers, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Let me tell you 
first of all, this morning, what this is and what this is not. What this is and what this is not. It's a judgment seat. It is that. But it is not for the unsaved. This is not the unsaved here. This is the saved. Speaking to the believer. It's a judgment seat where the redeemed, the saints of God, where the blood washed and the blood bought will stand before Christ. So this is not for the unsaved. This is for the saved, the blood washed. For we must all appear or stand. We have an appointment that we cannot shake. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I want to take my time this morning and whatever length this takes because there's so much I want. I'm praying and I've been praying about it that God would stir our hearts. So take note of this as well. It is not the great white throne judgment of Revelation chapter 20. Turn with me for a few moments to Revelation chapter 20. It is not this. Just for time's sake, let your eye run down. To verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell, that is the grave or the regions of the dead, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the last judgment that you will not stand there, believer. You and I will not be there. We are saved by the blood of Christ. We will not be there. But in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, we will be there and the unsaved will not be there. You see, uh, the the word judgment here is the word bima, the bima seat. And the bima seat has been spoken of by many Christians and people with far greater intellect and minds and understanding than myself. But through much reading over the years and learning and reading different people and things, you have to come to a conclusion of of exactly what is happening here. I'm going to tell you over the next few weeks what I personally believe the scriptures are telling us. What I personally think the scriptures are saying and what I believe with all my heart. The word here, judgment, or the bema seat of Christ, we must all appear before the bema seat of Christ. The name simply lends itself to a step like a step here, a platform like I'm on now, something like that. But the thought of many believers is that this is all, the Bema Seed is about the loveliness of reward, which it is, but they believe that's all it is. I personally do not believe that. I believe it is for reward, 
but I do not believe, or I, pardon me, I don't believe that's all it is. I believe it is also for loss. Now take note, if you're writing it down, write it in big because I don't want anyone leaving this morning with any misconceptions of what I'm saying here. First of all, the teaching we are going to do does not do any violence to the doctrine of justification by faith alone. It does not do any violence to the doctrine of justification by faith alone. This is not about your salvation. It's about service. Okay? It's not about salvation. You will not lose your salvation. This is about service. It's not about redemption. It's not about redemption. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. It's about reward. So you will not lose your salvation. It's nothing to do with that. You will not be cast into hell. You will not be in the lake of fire. You will not be in the judgment of Revelation chapter 20. And I want to make that perfectly clear this morning. Lest anyone leave here and think, well, the pastor thinks that we're all going to be turfed into hell at the end of the day. We'll stand before the Lord. It's going to be a horrific judgment. I am not saying that. But what I am saying, I do believe it's for reward, but there's a shame I can live with shame. I don't know what it will be like, but there will be a shame, I believe. And one person prayed one time in a prayer meeting we were in about it. Lord, we believe there'll be many beamers at the beamer. The embarrassment of the saints because they'll stand before him with lack of service to him and lack of faithfulness. I note this. In Revelation 5 and 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. We'll look at this a different, a different day, but that's very important. In other words, in this life, how we have loved him, how we have served him, how we have been faithful or unfaithful to him, uh, and the, the walk of our life claiming, claiming, to know Christ and living like a demon, we must wonder is one saved at all. In Revelation chapter 22, we say this is about reward. If you will flick quickly to Revelation 22. And let's I just run down for a verse here, to verse 12, please. Listen to the words of the Lord. Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Notice, my reward is with me. So the reward for the servants of the, of, of the Lord, for the service in the kingdom. Now, I don't know many times, I've, I've actually preached these things before. I don't know many times I've read them before. I don't know many times I've talked on them before, but for some reason this week hit me like a thunderbolt and I felt ashamed before him. I felt now before that seat, I felt the shame before him. And I prayed, Lord, help me that when you return, 
when I stand before your beam of seat, that I will have something in that, that's happened in this life that I can say, Lord, thy pound has gained 10 pounds or thy pound has gained five pounds. I will not say, Lord, I hid thy pound because I thought you were a steward man and a steward hard man. What would you offer him? What will you offer him? Not for your salvation, I remember, but for your service. And I don't know what the shame would be like, but I believe it's more than just reward. I'm going to look at a few different scriptures on this bema, because everyone thinks it's just about reward. Scriptures don't tell us that. We come by grace through faith. We are there. We bring nothing as it were, to the cross. But what do we bring to this point in our service for him? You know, I was trying to think about this for days. It was in my head at night. I'm lying looking at the ceiling thinking about it. And years ago, when I was in my early 20s, until things went terribly wrong in my life, before I got saved, years ago, I used to fight and I used to train fighters, and I used to fight. And I was thinking about this actually yesterday. Alison and I were here just tidying up a few things. And Alison was down there preparing for the baptism tonight, and I was here. I was thinking about it. And when I used to fight, I trained for, I trained every week, but I trained hard for months for a fight. And I had quite a lot of fights. And I remember I was never, and and this is the honest truth, I was never once afraid of being hit. Didn't annoy me. I was never once in my mind, I'm afraid of getting hit. Never dawned on me. I wasn't even afraid of being hurt. Coming away, I came away with many cuts and, and black eyes and nosebleeds and you can name it, even all, uh, 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 different marks all over me. I had broken ribs. Didn't annoy me. And I was never afraid of it. And the night it came to where I was in the changing rooms ready for the fight, fear came on me every single time. And I'll tell you why. Not for the crowd outside even, not for the people who were there to see it. I was afraid of losing. I was afraid to lose. I would have felt the shame of it the years or the, the pardon me, the, the months throughout the years that I was training. The hard graft, the people turning up, the supporters coming along to watch my fights as the progress and I was ashamed. I would be ashamed if I lost. I lost a few fights. And I remember the next day, I was almost inconsolable, not crying, but head down. I couldn't lift my head. I was ashamed that I'd allowed someone else to beat me. Father, let the the, the team that we went with, my trainers down, felt to let everyone down. 
The shame of it. And yesterday in here, that came to me. Just talking to the Lord going about. Lord, what would the shame be like? And the thought came what it was like. I can't imagine what it will be like, but I know that was enough for me and I'll never forget it. I fought, I don't know, 30-something fights in a ring. I fought over 200 times in tournaments. I fought for British titles. And I never once was afraid. Never once was I afraid of getting hurt or being hit. But my fear came, what if I lose? And I have no trophy. I have nothing to bring back to the club. And I was ashamed. This judgment seat of Christ is about reward. But I want to say this, and I, 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 I'm not going to judge, because we are going to look at that judging as well in a moment, or maybe another time. But whenever we get down to this, this is nitty gritty stuff. This is stuff that impacts the heart. And I've been praying, Lord, please waken up your church. And I'll be honest, I'm not the judge, but as a pastor, many times I don't even know if some are saved. That's the truth. Do you ever talk to an unsaved person? You want to, you talk to them and they're just blank. They're dead. You know, they're dead. Dead in trespasses and sins. They can't grasp it. They don't understand. And you feel like grabbing them by the throat or the lapels if you're a nicer person and shaking them. Will you waken up to your sin? Will you please waken up? As Paul would say, I beseech thee. I beg you, waken up. And they can't unless the spirit quickens them. Many times as a pastor, I feel like doing that to to people who proclaim the name of Christ as their savior. That's the truth. Where are you? Where are you? I feel like grabbing them. Where are you? Where are you with Christ? I feel like grabbing them and shaking them. Where are you with the Lord? Do you know him at all? Are you alive unto him? And is he alive in you? Where are you? I feel like grabbing his by the shoulders. Certain people. Because they are playing dangerously with the things of God. I mean, they're, they're, they're going so close to the track. The train is coming and they're going to die. Maybe if we knew of the hell that we were saved from, we would be different. Maybe if we knew of the sins that we have been forgiven of, we would think different and act different and be different. 
Maybe if we knew what it cost Christ. Maybe if we could get a glimpse again, afresh of Calvary. Maybe just that, Lord, please open our eyes and give us a fresh glimpse of Christ on the cross and Calvary. I believe we would all be different. But the problem is we have we have went so far away from the cross and the cross becomes a byword. The cross becomes an add-on. The cross isn't, isn't before our eyes. and we, we have no consciousness of God anymore. And so we live how we like and we think how we like and we do what we like and we have all of these things and we will look at them through scriptures. This is only the opening of it. Come on, church, where are you? For we must all, me, you, all of us, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I wonder what the shame will be like. You know, we call it the beam of seat because it sanitizes it, doesn't it? sanitizes it and makes it seem so uh, so soft let, let us look for a few moments at this uh, uh, as we go through a few scriptures Romans chapter 14 please Romans chapter 14 verses 10 11 and 12 <clears throat> But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's the same place. Verse 11. For as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. So I, at one day, there's going to be a, a day, a, a time, a, a place where I am going to stand before my Savior and I will give an account for me. Also, I'll show you later, I am going to give an account for this this morning, what I teach you or what I don't teach you. That I'm going to give an account and you are going to give an account. And here's the thing. The church has become lackadaisy. It's become lethargic. Let's put it more plain and straight. The church has become lazy. And the whole COVID, uh, the whole COVID thing over the last year or so is, it's made the church where they've become an online church. You know why? Because you can get up and eat your tea and toast and watch it in your pajamas. Lazy. The church has been sifted and more's coming. There's a refiner's fire coming. And if you're not grounded, you'll be sifted. If you're not grounded, you'll be sifted. Now, anybody who's been with me for a few years will know 
I have told of these things and taught of these things over and over and over again. And even the things that are happening, how many years of you have been with me have I preached these things are happening? Isn't that right? Well, I'm telling you now, it's going to get worse. Oh, pastor, you're fear, fear-mongering. No, I'm not. I'm standing on the walls and sounding the alarm. I'm blowing a trumpet in Zion. For example, even every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. Paul's taken that from Isaiah 45 and 23. And of course, in Philippians 2 and 10, he also mentions it again. See the word account here? You know what it gives the idea of? Uh, From a bookkeeper's ledger. In other words, there's going to be, as it were, a bookkeeper. A ledger brought out on your life in Christ. On your walk. There's going to be a bookkeeping ledger, as it were, brought out. In other words, everything will be out. See the night I got saved. Pastor James McConnell was preaching on obstacles that God puts in the sinner's road to stop them going to hell. And I thought he's got that wrong because I went in full alcohol and drugs. I went in with all sorts of problems that day because I had been fighting all weekend. Take it like that. And I come in stinking of stuff and he obstacles God puts in the sinner's road to stop them going to hell. And I thought, he's got that wrong, so we're all going to heaven. And the devil, if he exists, is going to put obstacles in my way to stop me getting to heaven. No, I was on the road to hell. And God loved me that much that he put obstacles on the road. And I was swerving around those obstacles. And brothers and sisters, it was like the Holy Spirit was pulling out a filing cabinet, I would have said, in my mind. And he's pulling out these files and showing me these things of people who had witnessed to me when I was out of my head on drugs. When I was standing there, maybe with the blood coming out of me because I'd been in a fight. And someone had come up and told me of the love of Christ. like a filing cabinet there's a ledger going to be brought out before you as it were before me and everything is going to be brought along and we're all going to stand here 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 when you were lackadaisy when you were lazy when you weren't up and doing when you hadn't got the oil burning in your lamp and you hadn't got the oil in your vessel and you're unready and that's what we're going to be like it's the account is gives the idea of the bookkeeper His ledger will be opened and every one of us will give an account unto God. This because it says, why dost thou judge thy brother? This is not saying we are not the judge, by the way. But that we must remember we also will be judged one day. As Christians, how we reacted and how we acted, what we thought and the things we said and what we did or did not do. Turn with me, please, to John 19. John 19, we'll just lift one verse for time's sake. Verse 13. And I want you to see this word, Bema, because everyone sanitizes it. I mean, it's just all about reward. John 19, verse 13. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, 
He brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. The word the judgment seat, again, is the beam of seat. There's no reward here at the beam of seat. This was sending Christ to Calvary. This was sending the Lord to the cross. This was condemning a man to death. This isn't, and this is the bema seat of Pilate. Without turning to it, if you write it down, you can remember about it. It's in Acts 12 and verse 21. Herod. Herod was arrayed in royal apparel, it says, and sat upon his throne. The word throne is the exact same word for judgment seat, the bema seat. And Herod was receiving worship as though he were God. And of course, he was consumed by worms and he died. In Acts 4 and 12, pardon me, in Acts 18 and 12, and in Acts 16 and 7, verse, Acts 18 and 12, verses 16 and 17 also, Paul speaks of the judgment seat. It's about Caesar's judgment seat. It's about Festus' judgment seat. Agrippa comes, it's about the judgment seat. It's about Paul being tried and sent to Rome, where he's later beheaded. So it's not all about flowers and hearts and puffy clouds. Brothers and sisters, I'm not trying to put fear in you. I'm praying that the Lord stirs you. Stirs you up. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now see the word must here, for we must all. I want to show you the strength of this word. For example, in Mark chapter 8 and verse 31. Mark chapter 8 and verse 31, if you want to turn to it. It says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Notice the word must here is the exact same Tense and word, that is, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus was saying he must go to Jerusalem. He must be there at Passover and he must suffer and die. He must. No ifs or buts about it. For if he must not, then you and I would be lost. Still in our sin. When Jesus said in John 3 and 7 to Nicodemus, ye must be born again. You and I as born again Christians understand the very strength of that. Not you might have to be born again. There's a good chance you you have to be born again. Or some think you have to be born again. You must be born again. Must. Christ must die. Ye must be born again. And we must all appear 
Not some of us will go on and maybe we'll not bother with it. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every single one of us. It also says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 that everyone may receive the things done in the body according to that he hath done whether good or bad. In other words, here, our very motives, good or bad. What is the motive in serving? What was your motive? What is my motive? Well, maybe, maybe Ken, your motive is, is that you preach and do this because it's a, a job that you can just do and work away at it and you enjoy it and blah, blah, blah. No. Listen, see, if that was my motive, I wouldn't be here. Believe you me, I wouldn't be here. What is the motive we serve in? Here's what I've written down. It is possible to be saved and to have a wasted life. done nothing for Christ you'll go home and eat your dinner maybe sit out in the sun my job's done for the day my job's done today I'll maybe show up next week Christ doesn't have the preeminence in the heart and the mind of many believers if Christ has the preeminence, if he's not only just before us all the time, but in the midst, in the very heart, in the center of all we are and all we do, if Christ isn't there, then he's put outside to somewhere else and relegated down the league. Relegated behind comfort and regulated behind work and regulated behind what we think and want to do and how we want to behave. Turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, please, chapter 3, and verse 9. Listen to what Paul writes. For we are laborers together with God. In other words, when we are walking with him and serving, it's not just you. Yes, we have to persevere. He preserves when you persevere. And his preservation makes you persevere. But we are laboring together with God. What about when we're not laboring together? Are we letting God down? For we are laborers together with God and ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Notice, according to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. In other words, we must all take heed to our motives of building and not building. What we build and how we build, or how we serve and when we don't serve. Now, 
pardon me, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. It's not what we're on. Every man will receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, so as by fire. There's going to be many people who you're saved, but you're just getting in, as it were, by the skin of your teeth. Now, we're all saved by grace. But as to service, Some people, and they strive so hard to do well, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when Christ is put from first position, when Christ is taken from pole position in the believer's heart, mind, and life, then something needs to go. And something needs to change. First Christ, first. First in our lives. First for our families. There's some people in... They are, they, they are so miserable in their work because they strive to make so much money. They are miserable with it. If they've seen a plaster that cut themselves, some of them are just so miserable. And they've put Christ out from being the head. They've put Christ out from being on his throne in their hearts. And Christ has been relegated down the list and now he just sort of disappears and, well, we'll bring you up there for Sunday when I want to go. Ah, I didn't come to hear this today. Yes, you did. You're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. Yes, you did. God brought you here to hear this. Notice here, works shall be burnt up like wood, hens, stubble. But gold, silver, and precious stones. In other words, the true motive of loving Christ to serve him. I don't love him out of, I don't uh, serve him out of fear, you know. I have a reverence for God. I don't serve him out of fear. I serve him because I love him. You know why I turn up to my meetings? Because I love him. What if we all didn't turn up on the Sunday night? What would happen then? Think about it. Like I like coming on a Sunday morning. Don't bother me Sunday night. But what would happen if we all thought that? Think about what would happen. What would happen if none of us came on a Wednesday night and we all wanted to stay home and put our feet up and you wanted to watch, I don't know, Emmerdale or something, whatever you watch. What if we all did that? Where would the church be? It's not true. And so we're losing out in the service for Christ. Now, as I said, works, works does not save. We are saved by grace through faith. 
In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, Paul tells us, For by grace are you saved through faith in that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. So we are not saved by our works, but we work because we are saved. Not saved by works, but we work because we are saved. Listen to Puritan Stephen Charnock. Works make not the heart good. Amen. Brother, I agree with that. Works make not the heart good, but a good heart makes the work good. But a good heart makes the works good. Listen to Puritan George Swinnock. The course of thy life will speak more of thee than the discourse of thy lips. There's a whole lot of people talk a good talk. They don't walk a good walk. It's solemn today, isn't it? I've been carrying this all week. You know why? Because the Lord's been checking me. Speaking to me. I fear there's people that come to this church and others, but was talking about our own this morning. I believe there's people come here and you're not saved. You have some form of religion that pick Jesus up when I think I need him and drop him like a hot potato when you've got over your hurdle. And I certainly do think there are those. Look, you know I'm telling you this because I love you. I love you enough to tell you the truth. There are those who I'm concerned about, not only in their faith, I'm concerned about them that they'll be backsliding away from Christ. That there are those who are in pretense their heart is far away from God. And it's my job as a shepherd to gather you up, to tell you, here's sheep, here's the medicine. I must bring this to a close this morning. Some of you might be glad to hear that. Listen, see me never used to go to hear my pastor, James McConnell, see on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night. Do you see when I was challenged by the word of God. See when the word of God really hit me like a freight train and my heart was my heart was even stirred and convicted in me as a believer. I loved it. You know why? Because I thank God that he brought the crook out like Glenn read this morning. The next Psalm, Psalm twenty three is the Psalm, the cross he read, the next one is the Psalm of the Shepherd, the crook. He brings the crook out and he says, You're going away, son. Daughter, come here. This is the shepherd's crook this morning. Now you can leave here at church, CET. You can leave here at church and you don't, you can go and you say, well, it's another Sunday done and I don't, that's the pastor going off him on again. Sure he goes off on those. Well, you can leave here and do that. But I fear for some of you. And there's some aren't here this morning, I really fear for them. I'm not talking about those who are having the break now on our holiday. I really fear for you. 
James 2 and 20 says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works, faith without works is dead. So in 2 Corinthians 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether good or bad. So let me finish with this point and then, uh, God willing, we'll see maybe next week. Matthew chapter 7, if you want to turn with me. Matthew chapter 7, please. For maybe next week we'll look at this man. These men have ten a pound each. The man going into a far country, the Lord Jesus, are given a pound each. And when the Lord comes back, the man says, "What have you done with my pound?" And you know the story. One says, "I have here's ten pounds. Your pound is made ten. Your pound is made five. And one hides it." Now listen, brothers and sisters, from from I've been reading this, especially that I have been praying over and over again this week. Lord, please help me to have something to say, thy pound hath gained ten, or thy pound has gained five, or even your pound has gained another one. But give me, give me something, Lord, where I will not be ashamed before you, and I will have something to say, Lord, I did this because I love you. You know, the depths of your service shows the love you have for Christ. how you are in your walk and what you believe and even the things the government are bringing in and the abortion laws and the the gay marriage laws. People, oh, don't be too hard. Listen, I love Jesus and I love the word of God. And so I cannot remove myself from what this says. I serve him because I love him. Matthew 7, please, verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, pull me, pull me, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thy hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou clear, see clearly to cast out the boat out of thy brother's eye. Notice here. Here's the thing that the world especially, who knows not the scriptures, but loves to quote to the Christian, judge not that you be not judged. They love to quote that, yet they don't know the rest of it, and they don't know the other scriptures that come in alongside of it. And even other Christians against Christians, oh, don't judge that you be not judged. Listen, brothers and sisters, from the offset here, Matthew 7 is not about you not judging. They're twisting scripture when they say that. It is not about not judging. In fact, it's the opposite. Now, I haven't got time to go into all of that. I'll do that on another study. But listen, the master is saying here, we should not judge But rather, he's speaking about the motive of the judgment. Everybody looks at judge not, you be not judged. It's the motive of the judgment. That's what he's saying. Let it hit you first. 
And I'm telling you all morning, I can't get past this all week. The Lord has hammered me with this. It's like a, the word of God, like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces. It's shattered me all week. It has shattered me. It's the motive. My motive is for love. My motive is to see men and women go on and do well in Christ. To walk with him. That we would all walk worthy of him. That we'd be faithful to him. That we would love him. I mean truly love him. I love him. And I love to see others. That's what I prayed the other day. Lord, I love seeing people praise you. I love it when people gather on and they sing your praises, Jesus. I love it when I hear your word. I love it when I hear it preached. And I love it when it hits my heart. And Lord, I love you. And I love you above all others and above all else. And I love you above my wife and above my children. I love you. And I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, help me to love you more. I'm a miserable wretch of a creature. Oh no, I do not know that we're all sons and daughters of God. Yes, I do. But you want to see me in my worst times. You want to see me when I'm having a bad day. You want to see me when my heart's in my boots. You want to see me when I'm feeling the cloud over me. You want to see it when there's a dark cloud hanging over me too, just like you. The flesh is rotten. Absolutely vile and rotten. That's who we are. Thank God he's in us to raise us up and lift us up. Finish with this. Said that a few times, haven't I? <laughs> Last one was a false alarm. The Lord here is speaking about motive of judgment and the standard which we use to judge. Here's the standard. This is the final, the final authority. Not some pimped up pop star pastor in the United States or anywhere else. This is the final authority. Not the Pope in Rome. This is the final authority. Not his word above the word of God. Not the Archbishop of Canterbury or anywhere else. This is it. So what is our standard? The word of God and what is our motive? Let me just run these past you. And this is definitely me close. We, we have our motives which break the commandment to love one another. When we judge out of not loving, ourse- loving one another, not ourselves, one another. We think that the worst of someone and we harbor animosity and dislike without finding out about them yourself. You know when you get the wee bird in your ear, what is the motive to judge that person? Is it because you've heard from someone else? We break his command when we only speak to others about their faults. When we speak to others only about their faults and when we don't speak about their fixing and the help that can be provided to them. It's a different motive. 
We break the command when we judge an entire life. Listen, when we judge an entire life only by its worst moments and by its season that they have been struggling in. Listen, people have had bad days, you know. People have bad days. People have bad moments. People have bad seasons and people judge them on it. Well, thank the Lord that he doesn't. That he still loves you in it. And you bring it to the cross and get it under the blood and you go on in him. The devil wants to stir it up and to bring it up and to talk it up and to accuse the brethren. See him and see her and the other thing. And, And the Lord says, look, they're under the blood. But the motive of many hearts is this. So I've heard a wee bird whisper about that one. Would he tell you something? Judge them. We break his command when we judge others without ourselves being judged. In other words, looking to see where we are in the situation and how would we deal with it if we were them? So when our Lord was speaking this in Matthew 7, judge not that you be not judged. The measure of your judgment, he says, will be measured to you again. (laughs) You see, the rabbis of his day had two measures of God, they called it. Two measures of God. And the people would have known exactly what the Lord Jesus was speaking about. The two measures of God are these. One measure was for justice. And the other measure was for mercy. What the Lord was saying in Matthew 7 is, you know the two measures that the rabbis teach. Which one do you want? I want the measure, not of justice. Listen, see if God was to show justice, we'd all be lost. Every one of us would find ourselves in a devil's hell. I want the measure of mercy. So then let's be merciful for our motive to judge. God willing, if anyone turns up next week, God willing, if anybody turns up next week, we'll do another part. We'll do another part. Brother, sister, please listen to me. And I mean this from the depths of my heart. You, you know me. Some of you have known me for a long time. I wouldn't go out of my way to hurt a single one of you. You just know that. You just know I love you. I love your soul. You just know that. But I fear for some. That you're not going to make what's going to come upon our land. You're not going to make it through. And many are falling away and backsliding because, well, they get into a lazy fit in COVID. That's not a condemnation. That's what's happened. And many believers are thinking, well, you know what? Sure, let's just sit home. And and some are even sitting and having a drink. Alcohol, I mean. Now, when I got saved, God saved me from that. Never to take it again so many people out there not only from here other places that talk to me and they would message me there's people speaking to me all the time 
there's people who are not grounded. I mean, your feet are on shaly ground. It's like the, the waves are coming in and washing under your feet and you're sinking all the time and you're falling into the sea. Every now and again, I grab you and I manage to pull you up half the way and then it's back down to the next week. Brothers and sisters, if you love Jesus, serve him. If you love him. I don't serve him because I have to. I serve him because I love him. And I want to. I want to. God bless you this morning. Listen, don't take this as a condemnation. Take it as the Lord saying to you, you know, I love you. Let's get on with this. I love you. Let's get up and do it. And may God bless us all today. Tell me to come up, please.